ladies and gentlemen, to the Hollywood Horrorcast with Matt and Tim. Brought to you by a special presentation. Brought to you by the SLS cast. Uh, I am Tim, sitting across from... Matt. In the tomb of Matt's garage. That's right. We changed, pardon me, we changed locale uh, by about 10 feet. Uh, We were on the veranda last time, but uh, the cicadas, they were a singing. And so we're going to see if maybe moving into a more recessed area will help reduce the cicadas, who literally waited till just now to start doing their thing again. It was pretty funny. It's no joke. Yeah, they literally, right when I press record, the chirpings started (laughs) coming from behind me. And of course, I'm sitting with my back directly to the outside, so more than likely, they will be making an appearance. Right? I mean, yeah. But that's okay. What what we have to talk about takes a place outside, right? The mummy chases people outside. They the do. Mu- the mummy gets buried a lot, so... And the mummy chases people inside. And by the time it's all said and done, the mummy chases people in a swamp, so... Cicadas could be in swamps. They can, but are cicadas both in swampy Massachusetts and swampy, obviously swampy, Louisiana? Um, you know, we would have to ask Cajun about Joe? that. Yes, I we think... should ask Cajun Joe or Gooby, both stereotypes whom we will get to uh, in the next episode, next week's episode. I yes. Think, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we don't hit that one until yeah, because we got Tomb Ghost, then we do Curse, Curse and, and Abbott and Costello. Abbott and Costello. Um believe it or not, Abbott and Costello Meets the Mummy is the lesser of the two Abbott and Costello Meet the Mummy movies uh in this series. For those of you who listened to last week's episode, might get that reference because <laughs> Mummy's Hand to me just felt like an Abbott and Costello movie. But, of course, we are continuing our discussion of the classic universal horror movie franchise of The Mummy. I don't know why I, I quivered I, a little bit, I gotta Mo. be honest with you, though. I think we're using the word... I think we're playing fast and loose. With classic? With the word classic. You know, I, I feel like somehow Inigo Montoya is going to pop out of here and go, you keep using that word. I do not think it means what you think it means. Um, what would be a better word? I mean, I, I, un, not unfortunate. I mean, um, I think that maybe maybe it was classically originated because I, I think you I think it is fair to say that the original mummy you can still call a classic, but basically anything beyond that. It is such severe diminishing returns. Yeah. Well, the original is the only horror movie, technically. Well, all, all the others are like romances and... Eh, I guess so. You know, I don't know. Uh, but before we go into our deep intellectual dive <laughs> into the mummy's tomb, um, I have a couple corrections to make. You hear that? The fluttering of the ghostly paper... Hovering above a, us. I just had a very weird PTSD Rush Limbaugh flashback just then. That was, you know. Did, did you get cut by paper a lot when you were a child? No, my parents loved listening to Rush Limbaugh when I was growing up, right? And so it would always be on in the car or whatever. And I distinctly remember 
he would, you know, flail a piece of paper whenever he was reading something, you know, I have this here, and he would always say, I have this here, rip, like, hang on, let me, let me, I'm just gonna, he would do something like this, I have this here in my formerly nicotine-stained hands, and it was just, that was his, like, gag, and he would always do it, he would always do it, so when you flailed that just now, that just, like, popped into my head, and I don't know. He would admit to having nicotine-stained hands? Formerly! Oh, formerly. Formerly. Wait, he would actually say that? Yes. Really? I, dude, it was the 90s, it was a weird time. Huh. So... You know, do you think maybe they wrapped him as I mean, a mummy? I got I got to be honest with you. I'm not sure how formerly nicotine they were, considering he did pass away from lung cancer. So, <laughs> and I'm not, not, I'm not it. look. I'm not wishing ill on anything. Right. I just, but I mean, I he may have. I mean, I don't know. People who don't smoke ever in their life can get lung cancer for whatever reason. But so, and I, I got to feel like that played a part. And the only reason why I chuckled a little bit, I got more of a chuckle out of that than. Then Abbott and Costello meets the mummy. Uh, but if you nicotine, yeah, stay stain- tuned, boy. We are we are gonna play this up. The we're hype train is coming, <laughs> folks. All right. Well, it had a lot to follow after reviewing Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, and but we'll we'll get there. We'll, yeah, yeah, we'll yeah. get there. We'll get yes, there. We'll get there. Um, but if you have nicotine stained anything, when you die, does that? I mean, does that? Oh, okay. I'm I'm gonna stop while I'm ahead because I'm about to ask a really dumb question. <laughs> Um, does so, it does it does it stay like or okay. how, about, how about teeth because teeth stay when your body decays correct correct and does the stain with the stain stay so it teeth? could sure I mean it would I mean it just would depend on what's going on but it does uh, as someone who has been a smoker uh, form also former smoker um, no uh, you you can get the nicotine stain in your fingers from where you're holding the filter sure Um but no, that I mean, you can clearly see it does go away. You know, even as you, even if you smoke, if you just switch hands for a couple of days and wash your hands pretty thoroughly, you can right get that out of there. Yeah. But um, you know, uh, it's actually kind of funny that you mentioned that that this came up because I don't remember if it's tomb or ghost, but one of the locals, uh, the like one of the the, the the sheriff or the detective guy who's locally based has a nicotine stain on his on his lip. Yeah, on his bottom, on his bottom lip? lip from really? his, yeah from smoking pipe and oh. cigar or uh, cigarette. It was pretty. It was just so unique. It, that, yeah. Did it add to the character at all? Um, I, I know, but once I noticed it, I couldn't stop looking at it. Right like in. every time he was on screen, I just started staring right at his you know at the bottom of his lip there. You know, like it was kind of like just fixated i don't know it was worth it was kind of worth watching more than the movie i guess but uh, <laughs> the know. stain on a character's on a disposable right. character's bottom lip anyways we're going back going back to this <laughs> um what just fluttered in was some corrections from the first episode where we were talking about the origins of the mummy movies script from 1932 and how carl limley uh, the head of production at, uh, at at Universal. I know I'm getting his job description incorrect. Um, he wanted to create another monster movie uh, based on a mummy, but he wanted it based on a piece of literature or a book. And mm-hmm. I incorrectly said uh, that there wasn't anything that they could have based it on. However, in 1827, there was a book written by Jane C. Loudon, L-O-U-D-O-N, I believe, called... The mummy! Exclamation mark. 
or a tale of the 22nd century. And that was probably the first story to feature a mummy's curse. Uh, and there was in 1903, a, another book by Bram Stoker himself, oh. 1903, The Jewel of Seven Stars. Uh, and there were also a pair of films, one from 1911, a film by Tranhauser, the Tranhauser Company, where the mummy was resurrected Frankenstein-like with a uh, by using electricity. And then 1918, another film by Ernst Lubitsch called The Eyes of the Mummy. So there was, in some form or another, uh, some source material that they could have pulled from, uh, but I'm guessing it didn't... You know, it wasn't enough of a of a palette wetter. To um, palette well, wetter, palette. Not a cleanser pig. starter palette. Palette yeah. starter. I, I have no idea. It wasn't enough. It, it does, wasn't it the kindling wasn't good enough to start the fire. There you go. There you go. Oh, we like that one. That's that's better. <laughs> um, <coughs> pardon me. Sorry about the little cough there, folks. No COVID. Everybody's safe. Everybody's healthy over here. Um, we were just both talking about the allergies that have. Uh, plagued us and yeah. our families. Here, Luckily, we're so. sitting outside. Yes, I mean clearly that's the smart thing to do uh, when you have a little uh, allergy attack going on. But um, I think I, I, what I think what I think he meant by that, though, it's yes, you are correct. There are those things there, and quite frankly, I the only one I had ever even loosely heard of was that the mummy, and I didn't know it was from eighteen twenty eight. I thought it would have been about 1928 or so. So, I mean, you know. Um, but I think what they were looking for was not obscure one-offs or things that might have reference material, yeah. but something concrete with existing lore and, um, and, and a fan base, if you will. Sure. I think is where he was coming from on that. So Sure. Um, I will let you off on a technicality, sir. <laughs> well, if we ever want to continue our, our mummy movie reviews, which I'd be Please. interested in watching the Hammer stuff, mm. we could maybe even throw in some of this. Anyways. Gr grumble, grumble, done with mummies. Dumb, done, uh, yeah, not this year. Maybe in <laughs> the next 2,400 years or 3,000 years or... Yes. If you're depending on which one you you, our, you watch, it's yeah. a different period of time. In our own 13th dynasty. I don't know. Right. Right, right you know. So, of course, we're going to start off this episode uh, midway through, I'm kidding, with The Curse of the Mummy from the year... Wait, we should be starting with The Mummy's Tomb. And that's what I meant. The Mummy's Tomb from 1942. Okay. You, are you, you're incorrectly hearing me, Matthew. Oh, my bad. I definitely bad. did not say The Mummy's Curse. I said The Mummy's Tomb from, from 1942 directed well, by no, Harold Young. No, you didn't say The Mummy's Curse. You said Curse of the Mummy. So, I mean, it was good. I mean, either way, you know. So, we're talking about The Mummy's Tomb. <laughs> From 1942, 60-minute flick, uh, directed by Harold Young, before Matt gives us a description of it, because he speaks better than I, clearly. Um, a little recap, slight recap of what's going on with Universal at this time. Uh, in the late 20s, early 30s, depression was going on, people were strapped for cash, uh, movie studios were strapped for cash, so they were having a hard time bringing audiences in, because nobody wanted to pay you know, to go see anything. So when Dracula came out, Frankenstein came out, even the first Mummy, they were so popular that they were like, you know, these are bringing audiences in, therefore we need to make sequels. And unlike Frankenstein's sequels, which had decent budgets, 
uh, look at Bride of Frankenstein. It's considered one of the most gorgeous looking uh, horror movies ever made. Uh, and dramatic and very effective horror movies. Uh, compared to those, the Mummy movies are very, very cheap. The sequels are very, very cheap, and not, none of them had a, as good of a budget as the original Mummy movie. So going forward, especially with The Tomb of the Mummy, the budgets are pretty low, and you can definitely see it in the look of The Mummy. And it doesn't even look like Jack Pierce had to do anything to create these, these characters. Um, so now we go into The Tomb. Matthew, what is The Mummy's Tomb about? It's about, uh, honestly, it's about 50 minutes long is what it's about. Because they literally spend Mm -hmm. the first (laughs) 10 minutes recapping the original story. Well, well, I say the original story because um, it's the story of The Mummy's Hand. Um, We are picking up... Uh, with Steve talking to some friends. And The Mummy's Hand is is a reboot of the franchise. Correct. Because the original Mummy movie ended, you couldn't really do anything else with it. Right, and so that was why they changed it, you know, from uh, the scroll to the Tana leaves and all that kind of stuff, which they did in The Mummy's Hand. So, um, we're picking it up. Steve is talking to uh, friends and family, uh, about the legend of uh, Karis and all that kind of stuff. And then it uh, literally takes up the first 10 minutes of the movie. Um, after that, um, they have they are now showing how the guy who supposedly died at the end, the, the, the bad priest guy who supposedly died, got shot and rolled down the... Uh, stairs and is dead. And he is, made it a thing that because he's dead, nobody control can control the mummy, can control Kara. So that was his whole deal, right? And at the end of the mummy's hand, he's like, "If you kill me, nobody can can control Karas. Right. And because, well, I but I would say that he said that as uh, a bluff, not yeah. at right because you can't you can't kill me because if you kill me, you can't control him. Right. Um, mainly because I think it was a matter of he knew the secret of the Tana leaves, number one, and number two, it was a bluff to make sure that, you know, you can't kill me so I can stop him. Sure. But, so he, he's apparently not dead, and not only is he not dead, he had the, he grew more hair, um, which I thought was really weird, and then now it's all white because, you know, makeup. I will give them a little bit of credit uh, they at least. You said uh, he grew more hair. He just grew hair. Period. No, he had some hair. He did. He he did. He had some hair. Does it qualify as some hair when it's like three? Yeah. <laughs> just kind of along the back, you know, oh, okay. kind of the the back end of the hair. But yeah. So, uh, in their efforts to make him old, <clears throat> pardon me, to do the aging, they've uh, they've put on a wig, and the wig now has more hair than he originally had, which is, you know, obviously what we're making a joke of. But he didn't, so he didn't die. No, he uh, he apparently um, was only shot in the arm, and it crushed his arm, and so his arm's all jacked up. Interestingly, same arm as Karis, and so he kind of holds it like Karis holds his arm. But he's also got, like, just this really bad affectation. I don't know if 
they were trying to mimic someone uh, with with Parkinson's or something that, that age because this guy is just like shaking really bad, um, and it like to the point of distraction. Well, it's it's thirty years after the Mummy's Tomb. Right. Well, it's thirty. Yeah, thirty years after the Mummy's Hand. All right, that's what I meant. After the Mummy's Hand, thirty years later. So I guess that's their way of showing time has progressed by showing the all the every original character looks significantly older and they lost all of their personality. Oh yeah. Um well and that and that's the thing. So they they're now the the priest guy is now sending a new disciple to America to go and uh have Karis take revenge on all of the people from the mummy's hand. Is that not and, Orson Welles? Cuz the guy kind of looks like Orson Welles. Oh. Yeah, a little bit. I guess now that you think about it. He kind of he has that is it staccato or whatever that just his trembly voice that he has? Sure. How he just kind of just talks like this and yes, I and will get it. I will. I will do. Cars, I will do everything that I can to bring Caris and take him to where he needs to go. Yeah, he does kind of talk like the that. The three tenna leaves to start the process. Nine tenna leaves. Tenna tenna leaves. Tenna leaves. Yeah. To keep the heart beating. Yes. So, we have our new disciple. Now, I will say that... Important wearing a Fez. Fez equals bad in the mummy universe. Fez doesn't equal bad. Fez equals Egyptian. Because apparently only Egyptians wear Fezes. And are... Yes, and and And, in this particular instance, they're they're bad. Uh, But... That that's actually kind of what I was just about to say. So in the first movie, it's not quite as blatant. Um, it gets a little worse in the mummy's hand, and by the mummy's tomb, they have given up all pretense of brownface. Um, it is just <laughs> patently like you can literally see the lines where they stop putting the makeup on them, folks. Uh, I don't know why. Especially with the exotic nature of the movie and what they were trying to accomplish with it, why they didn't actually cast, or at least attempt to cast, someone European or maybe even someone from Egypt, like a famous actor or something from Egypt of the day. I don't know why they didn't even attempt that, budget or not. Um, I think even if they'd gotten someone from Europe with a with an Eastern European accent, just to throw it off a little bit, mix it up. I don't know why they didn't do these. Things. Maybe Universal didn't have anybody under contract. Well, that's true, but that's this was this, this was a time when you, when they would do you know uh, contract swaps all the time yeah. and borrow people and stuff like that. Well, that's so. what I was getting at earlier. Is just the studios <laughs> to them this was uh, a cash grab. You know, all these sequels are a cash grab, and where they focused on making like Frankenstein good. Or the Wolfman, some of the Wolfman's good. This one, not so much. This is, w- without putting the money into doing a Monster Rally movie, they're just like, we're going to make subpar decisions for these lame-ass mummy movies. Right. So, and yeah, I guess that does feed into it. But at any rate, as we move forward, uh, so now we have our new disciple. Uh, his name is uh, Bay, right? So, let's see here. Hang on. His name is... Is that like an, a nod to Ardeth Bay? Possibly. Or Bay? Bay? Yeah. Mehemet Bay. There you go. 
His name is Mehmet Bey. So, uh, anyways, he comes to he comes to America. He is taking uh, a caretaker job in the graveyard so that he has access to Kedis uh, and then be able to uh, exact his revenge on the Banning family. So now we have Banning's presumably... They, do they ever actually state whether or not the young guy is his son or is it like his nephew? I don't remember. Okay, that's... Yeah. So... It might be son because I'm looking at the IMDb and it's there's Stephen Banning yeah, and John and Banning. John Banning. So we'll we'll presume that it's his son. Yeah, it's a close relative, for sure. Um, at any rate, so Dad is the first to go. Uh, so the original know, character from they do bring back the original. Yes. Yeah, so Stephen Banning and Babe um, Hanson. Yeah. yeah, Babe Hanson uh, and Heb. All of them are the original guys. That's George Zuko. Um, it's Dick Ferran, and it is Wallace Ford. And then, of course, Lon Chaney uh, Jr. is the mummy. Is the mummy? Um. So yeah. So Dad's the first to go. They discover the dust on him, and you know they're trying to figure out what the dust is. And of course, we all we all know what it is because they're they've established this universe now. That it's the you know it's the dust mold from the mummy's wrappings, right? Um, he goes on the rampage. Everybody's trying to figure out what's going on. Naturally, nobody believes that uh, least of, that it's the mummy again. Least of all, uh, you know, Doctor Banning the son slash young relative, whatever. Um, and then the shenanigans ensue. It's the cycle repeating itself. Babe comes back into town for the funeral. He ends up dead. Um, the sister. Uh, uh, Stephen Banning's sister ends up dead. They're, then they go after Banning and his girlfriend, who's supposed to become his fiance, and they have to deal with the mummy. Um, you know what? I was not going to spoil it. They they basically try to burn the house down around the mummy, um, and and all this happens. I mean, the the movie follow. Okay, other than the twelve minutes of flashbacks. Then you you then the then the movie decides to focus on uh, the characters from the previous film, kill them off, and then it's literally the last twenty minutes of the movie. All of a sudden, you have to give a crap about these new people. They have to develop right. a relationship. That's when you realize there's a the, probably the reason why the movie the story jumps thirty years. They had to kill off the woman from the movie before. So that the new resurrected princess becomes of age, I guess, which is the new lady in the movie. So now you have to care about her. But he's not. But but she is. But see, that's just it. She doesn't. It, it has. It doesn't have anything to do with Anaka this time because. Oh. This in this one, it's not about Anaka. It's all about revenge because the princess Anaka is now in a museum, and so. They go after, so the goal was to bring... So it's just revenge on those who disturb Karis's tomb. And so that's why Bay ends up seeing the girl and is like, no, I know what I'll do. I'll make her immortal and I'll become immortal and Karis, you can protect me. 
you know, you can protect us and then we'll have children. And, you know, he basically lusts after this girl. Yeah. And so kind of switches the dynamic. So I, I don't know. I, I feel like um, they, they do rush things. Like, I don't know. If this guy was my dad or a really close friend, I don't think I would be, you know, just laughing and shucking it off within a day or two. Um, and, and just kind of like, well, you know, I guess I better get going on with things. And, and it's like, dude, your dad just died. I mean, can we, I understand it's the forties. I understand that maybe we're not focusing so much on plot as much, but could we at least pretend like your dad just died? Hey, Matt, you know, Matt, when you're wearing a suit that large, Clearly, there is no room for <laughs> any feelings of guilt or sadness or mourning, you know. You just pack it in the suit. You should. Yeah, that's in the shoulder pads. Yeah, it's in the shoulder pads of the suit. <laughs> this guy's suit is its own character, man. <clears throat> it is. Yeah, it's insane. Like, we've, I've watched a fair share of old movies, and of course you can expect the pants pulled up to above the belly button. You right. Know, the, the, the older style. High waisters, yeah. But daggum is this guy's suit ginormous. It looks like... Uh, it looks like David Byrne's suit from the Talking Heads Stop Making Sense concert movie where, oh, yeah. where he, the suit just gets bigger and he's doing this with his arm, you know. It's ridiculous. Yeah, but not only... So you have all these flaws in the character design and trying to get to the end, but by the time you do get to the end and you're supposed to care, well, the town sure decided to care because we literally have straight out of Frankenstein pitchforks and torches, torches. coming to the, you know, chase down this mummy character. Um, I am, I'm just like, I don't even, under, I don't even know. Um, <laughs> it, it's, it's pretty rough. Um, it, it, I was glad that it was only an hour technically and, and, and technically even 50 minutes because after about three minutes in, when I realized all he was doing was recapping the first movie. I just started fast forwarding until I got to the 10 minute mark. And I'm like, it was exactly 10 minutes. I'm like, okay, yeah. so I guess I'm going to watch the movie from here. At, at least they're trying to be air quotes here. Creative with recapping uh, previous and I, and events. I get it because not every, I mean, this isn't an era. There is no home video. There is no real television to speak of now. Sure. Speak. I mean, television is, is an emerging medium at this time. So there are TV shows and stuff like that. I'm not to say that people didn't have te televisions. But it's still an emerging medium. They're, the only way to watch a movie again is if they decided to re-release the movie. So I get that much like a, an episode of a TV show, they would need to kind of recap. you know. And, and, and I do appreciate that. But... Ugh. It's the same recap each yeah, movie. It's the same recap each movie. So, um, I don't know. So, but I just I felt like for as much tragedy and as much horror as you're supposed to see with all this stuff going on, you, there's no real there, there's just no real stakes in it. It's totally. just not a it's just not a well crafted movie. And I I was gonna wait, but I can't wait. I need to bring this up now. What makes Lon Chaney Jr. so special? Uh, well... Because we need to come to the... We have to ask this every movie, 
All right, I need to I need to ask this every movie from here on. Well, except for Abbott and Costello because it's a different guy. But it, why you don't you don't like his? I mean, he brings a certain thickness to the mummy. You know what I mean? Like a certain gravitas in in the in the in the post, posterior, posterior region. Hey, look, and as a big, big dude, as a big dude, not as big as I used to be, but still as a big dude. I'm not I'm not hating on that. Hey, I'm not saying he's fat. I'm just saying that it's like, damn, he's thick. Right? But thick with three C's. But I don't understand what the big deal is. That is the guy time. never speaks. And there's no definition to his makeup, unlike Correct. Karloff's. Yeah, there, there's there there's nothing like honestly, it's really, really bad. It's not so bad in tomb. It's really bad in Ghost, and it's just a joke by the time we get to Curse. But I initially thought that there were wrappings and stuff for his head, but as I'm looking closer and you can kind of see it in the light a little bit, it's like they just put mud in his hair? Is that, I mean, that's just, is it, I mean, like... Yeah, I think, so, in my research... Like, they slicked his hair back and then just put, like, mud in it or something? That's what I'm guessing. There's, I'm trying to remember if I wrote it down somewhere, but I'm looking at my chicken scratch notes. Um, It looks like the makeup consisted of what they call a mud pack. So I don't know if, if you can look up mud pack. Sure. Make up mud pack uh, for clarity. So they would use, I think they would use a mud pack for close-ups. And then for the long shots, they would just use a rubber mask. Which is why I think in this one, they still try to keep Kara's like in the dark. But in all the other movies, he's right in the light. Like it's significantly brighter in the in the, in the shots, in the scene. So you see it more. Let's see. Well, mud pack... Makeup doesn't do it. Let's try Hollywood special effects. Mud pack. Oh, let's try mod pack makeup. So, I I mean, I'm guessing it's just some sort of layer that they probably put over the face. So there's Yeah, that's what they're showing here. There's a couple of videos, but... Apparently M O D, not M U D, is oh, what is, is okay. what is pulling up. So for mod pack, but at any rate, <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. I just again, I get it. The budget slashed, fine, but I don't know. I I, I see. So when you're watching these, uh, we we watch them on Peacock, folks. Uh, it's free to everybody. Uh, there's there's like three ads in it. Takes like a whole forty five seconds worth of the time. Um, so I encourage you, if you want to follow along with these, um, you, you don't even have to pay for Peacock. It's fine. Uh, Again, it's free for everybody. Um, the Rotten Tomatoes meters are up there, both critics and audience score. And they're definitely rotten across the board from here on out. But I know that, especially with the user reviews, user reviews are only going to be from the last 10 or 12 years or whatever. I am curious to know what the general public thought of it. I mean, you can always look up IMDb or you can go to Wikipedia and see stuff or what have you, but I'm curious as to what the general public would have thought of these movies. I guess they thought enough of them that they kept making them. But it was probably a lot of kids liked them. You know, like it's definitely geared towards 
high schoolers taking your dates. I mean, that's fair. I would think because like, I didn't think about it that. Way. I think at the time. I mean, look at. I mean, I don't know if it could be in some way compared to the Saw movie experience <clears throat> when the Saw movies were popular, where there were they were none of them were great movies by any means, but come around they came out around halloween and it was fun to go to the theater and you experience this body horror craziness and you just want to see the twists and turns that the franchise takes right there were some very bad installments but you know it didn't it was still entertaining and fun something to look forward to so i'm kind of thinking it might be the same deal with a lot of these and i and i guess so cuz i want to say if it's not this one then it's definitely the next one with Mummy's Ghost because they do actually throw the kids kind of make it out in the car. It's yeah, yeah, it's this one. It is this one. Yeah, okay. actually, I have a note on that, and I, I have a review. Uh, nineteen a year from nineteen forty two, um, or maybe it's not from See, that's why nineteen forty two. But I, I did make a note going back real quick to the the, the makeout scene is that it's random, but if the movie was made today that would be a very lengthy makeout scene oh yeah that'd be a sex scene it would 100 percent be a sex scene and and more than likely the girl or the guy one of those two would not have made it totally yeah so i i do like (laughs) i also like how they're really contrite with the sheriff when they go talk to him (laughs) well we were just you know hanging out in the car and we saw that shadow (laughs) Get out of here, kids. Go home. Okay. <laughs> yes, sir. Okay, I'm going to try one more search for original reviews from back in the day, 1942, for The Mummy's Tomb, and I'm not finding anything. I have a feeling they're not great. I mean, you'd be surprised by how reviewers were back then compared <clears throat> to how you view some of these movies now. Like, they were, a lot of them were just as harsh. Critics hated uh, horror movies. Critics like horror movies more now than they did in the 40s. So, let's see here. From, all right, apparently, what is Harrison's? All right, apparently, Harrison's reports. um, A New York City-based motion picture trade journal published weekly from 1919 to 1962. Um... There is something from that that says, quote, much happens, but nothing that will surprise the horror fans, end quote. Now, that is a quick pull from uh, Wikipedia, but, I mean, it is sourced. So I guess they have, I guess they have that. Some legitimacy to it. So what happens at the end of this movie? Because we find out, and Matt, you were texting me this yesterday, that it's good that we're watching these in order, or that you chose to watch these in order, because these all feed into the next. Yes, I I was very films. frustrated watching this movie because we watched um, 1959's the the Hammer Horrors, the Mummy, and um, that it is literally pulling the elements from. And, I, and we mentioned it last week, but I ha- we hadn't had to see it from you know thing like the Mummy's Tomb. Um, the end of the movie from the end of the movie from the Hammer version is literally straight out of uh, Mummy's Ghost, um, except the Hammer well, one the, has a happier ending. Right, correct. There is a different ending, 
to it, but the I guess I'm sorry. I did state that it was the climax of the movie is taken directly from the Mummy's Ghost. So um, it was very frustrating to watch this movie already knowing what was going to happen. So that was where I was kind of like, I really wish we had watched them in order to begin with. Sure. So um, because they do, I, I mean, they are direct sequels. They did try and create a quadrilogy with this, if you will. But by the end of the movie, they've burned the house down with the mummy inside. And uh, Dr. John and his girlfriend go and get married and they live uh, presumably happily ever after. Uh, again, just like three days after dad's dead. But, you know, we, we, got, we got things to do. Banning's been called off to the army, you know, to go be a surgeon over there with them or something. So, yeah. And if you're wondering, but didn't, didn't the mummy burn to death technically at the end of movie two of, of the mummy's hand where they lit him on fire and all that stuff? But yes. you didn't watch, but you didn't actually see him die. Correct. They I know. do leave after that, which is, again, convenient writing. Yeah. So that that's why... Um, Halloween 2018? Yeah. <coughs> and, yeah, Andaheb uh, says... They thought that they had killed him, but they have only marred him and made him even more miserable. So it's, it's you know. a severed twist. They left him severed, twisted, and maimed. Oh, there we go. Yeah, severed and twisted and maimed. And I thought that that was hilarious because the wrappings on the face have stayed relatively the same, but now just one eye is kind of covered up. And the wrappings. I mean, do they did they reapply the wrapping? Like, is, I guess maybe because boy, that looks good for somebody who's supposed to be charred. On the right. backside. And just so I don't forget it later, because I know I will, I'm pretty sure there is a shot, I forget which movie, but somebody has a torch, and they're flinging the torch at, I think I'm even thinking, of, it might be the Abbott and Costello one, uh, where she's flinging the torch at him, and it hits the mummy, and it creates a burnt spot on the mummy. And I'm looking at that like, well, if a torch can do that, certainly a whole friggin' house on fire would bring that sucker yeah, down to ash. Yeah, I think that one is the... Yes, I do think that one's Abbott and Costello because the one thing that I noticed was that they did try to do some cool fire effects with the torches and stuff and like how he's dodging the torches and, and trying to dodge the fire. Um, but at one point, he actually like really, you can see it like it lands on him. Yeah. You know, and he like, I mean, you could see him like get the hell out the dodge there. So, um, yeah, definitely... They were they were legit playing with fire then, so there's no there is no question about that. We didn't start the fire. It was always burning in the Banning's building. All right, I think we've burnt this movie to a crisp. Yeah, I don't know, does that work? Let's leave it in its tomb. Right, and let's move over onto the Mummy's Ghost. To 1944, officially a World War II time film. Yes. Um, oh, well, I guess <laughs> mummy. Uh, you know, depending on how you look at it, the mummy's tomb could be, maybe. But the mummy's ghost. How does this movie begin, Matt? All right. Um, so Andahev is back again um, because they. All right, I got to go all the way back to hand because Orson Welles 
Not Orson <clears throat> Welles dies. I forgot how, though. Uh, he gets shot. He gets shot, right. Yeah, because he pulls the gun out on Banning, and then one of the other rioters in the graveyard shoots him. Right. And then just gives him a, hey, hey that's right, I got your back. <laughs> and then just, then you never see him again. Um, <laughs> so, it was. You, the, that look, that I'm sorry, he doesn't actually say that. You know, I mean, it's the look, you know, it's that old codger, that's right, I got you, <laughs> kind of thing. Anyway, so if we go all the way back to the mummy's hand. There's oh, this, and we're in the U.S., did we? Did you mention that in the last movie that they're now in the United States? Yes, because okay. uh, Bay comes to the U.S. Okay, to, gotcha. Uh, yeah. I'm going to stop interrupting you. <laughs> so in this one, though, I, I got to go all the way back to the Mummy's Hand. So at the beginning of the Mummy's Hand, you have to remember that this aging priest passes the medallion and stuff on to Andaheb and makes him the new high priest, right? So when we get to the mummy's tomb, Andaheb is also giving the medallion to uh, Bay, um, not Yusuf Bay. Hang on, because we got. I'm gonna keep because they keep giving these guys named with the last name of Bay for whatever reason. Mehemet Bay, played by Carradine, right? Uh, Turhan Bay is what they say his name is. No, the actor. Is this Carradine? No, Turin Bay is actually... Oh, look! They really did... Oh, my gosh. You know what? I need to... I got... Correct myself. Turin Bay is the guy who plays Mehemet Bay in The Mummy's Tomb. Okay? He's our fez-wearing bad guy. Okay. He is an Austrian-born actor of Turkish and Czech-Jewish origins, which would actually put him at being part Turkish, would be close enough to Egypt that I can see why they cast this guy right um they still put him in brown face though which i think is like ridiculous but but you're still on mummy's tomb yeah i had to go back to mummy's tomb for a second okay. just because okay. i was trying to get the guy's name so okay. i wanted to correct that at least they did attempt to cast someone who theoretically should not have needed brown face but they put brown face on him anyway yeah all right so mummy's hand Andaheb gets the medallion and the old priest dies. Mummy's tomb. Andaheb gives uh, Mehemet Bey the, the medallion and presumably was supposed to die because he's old and feeble and passing everything on. But he didn't die. So they bring him back again so that they can do this. So, so almost like <clears throat> the mummy's tomb didn't happen. Let's try this one more time. <laughs> Here's another medallion that I don't know where it came from, but uh, I'm going to take the medallion that should have been in America in the ground somewhere when they went with Mehemet Bay. And I'm going to take another one off because apparently these things are a dime a dozen. Uh, and now I'm going to give it to Yusef Bay. Who is John Carradine. Yes. Um, and he's supposed to go now because... Uh, all the Bannings have been dealt with, I guess, even though John Banning, you know, completely undid all the other stuff. But apparently he doesn't matter anymore. War hero. We leave the war heroes alone. Okay. <laughs> so it wouldn't be very good to have a mummy movie, mummy movie going to some chief of surgery out in the field um, in, in, a, in a theater of war to go and kill the surgeon, I suppose. So instead... Yusuf's job is to go back to America 
get the mummy, get Anaka, and bring them back. That's the goal. That's the job. And kill anybody who gets in your way, apparently, I guess. And so um, this one is a, just a pretty straightforward... Um, Yusuf just kind of ends up... Uh, um, killing people because the mummy accidentally kills a professor because the professor brews the concoction with the tana leaves that the guy that that the mummy knows right the mummy is drawn to the potion um as we established again way back in the mummy's hand um so apparently the mummy wakes up and says mmm coffee and goes after and kills the leaves <laughs> right leaves and so he goes and kills this professor uh who had had part of the who had had the tana leaves and he and the mummy of course leaves the mold on the neck from where he strangled him and they are now immediately suspecting that the mummy is back. And even though the sheriff is like, come on, man, there's no mummy, you know, and all this kind of stuff. Um, we're also, remember now, we're more than 30 years after the original events of the mummy's hand at this point. And we're two years after the previous film. And the professor who is doing, who then comes in, they call this other professor in to be like, hey, what's going on? He's actually a professor from, like, The Mummy's Hand or whatever, and he was a professor in the other movie, too. So now he's aged up, and Yusef is now uh, trying to find Anaka. The Mummy comes across Anaka in the museum, they, and he goes to touch her, and then the Mummy in the museum immediately implodes, turns to dust. And now we're rehashing the original mummy. Hang on, hang on, folks, because see, I'm over here now. So now we're going all the way back to 1931, uh, or 32, sorry, 32, thank you. Tim was very nice and didn't vocally correct me. He just held up two Peace, fingers. peace. Yeah, peace, <laughs> my man. No, okay, so now we go all the way back to 32 because there's this new chick and... She is uh, part Egyptian, uh, or at least her family is Egyptian, so you know she's of Egyptian heritage. And now she is starting to go into trances and stuff and has these fits where she doesn't remember what's going on, but then she is lured to wherever the mummy is going to be. And she starts turning into the bride of the Frankenstein mummy as her hair starts getting streaks of white in it. Well, uh, she she's the resurrected right princess. Anaka. She does become. She does be. I was getting there. Oh, you were. Yes. Oh, well, get there. I okay. know. I'm just taking I'm, forever. I'm sorry. So, because it's so long. I mean, you got to literally go through all these damn movies. <clears throat> so while, while you're at it, can you explain in the last movie why they they went forward thirty years and why they decided to kill these people thirty years later and not within that time frame beforehand? If it didn't matter, if the one. Yeah, never mind. We don't have to go back to the movie. <laughs> so now you've got uh, this girl who's in trances and stuff. And the reason why is much like the original mummy, she is now the uh, reincarnated version of Princess Anaka. So now we've got a new plan. 
and we got to get the new princess Anaka, get her and then have her converted into fully princess Anaka so that they can be together. Well, uh, well, the mummy and uh, Anaka, where Karis and the mummy can be together. And of course, um, everything goes awry because Yusuf also starts to like the chick too, doesn't he? Sure. I, I'm pretty sure he does. Yeah. So, uh, and then of course, as I always like to say, shenanigans ensue as they're trying to figure out all these murders that are happening because the mummy's killing people. And at the same time, they're trying to protect uh, the new Anaka. Uh, Amina is her name. And by the end of it, yes, just like we talked about in uh, the Hammer version, <clears throat> the mummy ends up grabbing the girl, who by this point has now got fully white hair because she's had all these visions and all these close encounters with the mummy and it's turned her hair completely white. Um, and then he drifts off into the swamp and takes her. And as he takes her, the curse of Anaka and the tomb and everything takes hold of her. And she literally turns into a mummy. And then he just wanders into the swamp with her. The swamps of Massachusetts, which, uh, you know, I didn't know there was a lot of swamp land in Massachusetts, but apparently there is. Uh, wanders off into the swamps and then they just drown in the water together. Which I was surprised by. I didn't like this movie at all. This is my absolute least favorite of the uh, the classic movies. Oof. Second, second to least, second to last, if we're including Abbott and Costello. Uh, but it, it's just a lumbering freaking movie. But I will say that ending to me, I was surprised. I was like, Huh. That's kind of shocking. I don't understand what's going on. And it took me about 20 uh, eight, not 28, eight or nine hours after watching it for it to gestate within me to realize, oh, she's just the curse has overtaken her and she's now become the the dead Anaka right. for the most part. And I like, but I do like, and, and you know, this is where, this is one of those times where folks, if you read a loose plot summary, uh, like if you just read a loose plot summary on IMDb, or if you try to read a, a plot summary on like Wikipedia or whatever, it's going to do you a disservice because the, it does say here, um, let's see here. So here's how, it, here's how it ends. A mob pursues Karis into a swamp where both him and the rapidly aging Amina sink. But see, that's not the actual end. The, the actual end is the final line, which is the, um, it's basically a voiceover that says, those who ignore the curse are, uh, are basically doomed to become a part of it. And it's because they kept ignoring that they kept letting amina ignore the curse and they weren't they weren't serious about trying to keep her safe um not not that they were you know oh we don't care about you but because they didn't take no one took those took the curse seriously that's how it was able to take hold of her and that's i think that really does kind of sum up the movie and while it's definitely a lumbering film no pun intended uh with with a lumbering mummy, 
Um, <laughs> Even the music. Ugh. Just. This is diminishing returns. So much diminishing returns. Spooky. Just, you know, run away. And that's it. Just run away. Yeah. I don't know, man. Um, I, I, I can't. Uh, yeah, this, this it's not a great movie. Yeah, folks. this is. Um, I'll at least. I'll at least give them points for legitimately continuing the story, though. Sure. Uh, it is. Yeah. It is clear that they are trying to develop a canon and that they're trying to keep it within the universe that they've created. So I'll give them that. But it feels more like a serial. Like the old movie serials. Yes, yes. You I know? didn't even think about that. Yeah, it really does. It's like, what but, will happen next? You know, yeah. tune in next time for The Mummy's Curse. It's like, it's know. literally like three short serials put together and they're like, ah, oh, we're going to make, we're going to make this a feature length movie. You know, it just, I don't know. Like, there's definitely a formula for these movies that I, I realized with this one, um, especially with the same recap of events right. from. Mummy's tomb. It's it's it, priest hands off the medallion and the job to young up and comer. Fez to a young Fez. Yeah, to a young Fez. It's always a Fez. Fez then goes to do the bidding. Uh, releases mummy. Mummy kills people. Mummy finds the girl. Save the girl. Mummy dies. Right. Except this one has the has a twist, which I liked. Oh yeah, no. And, and the I, next I really one like has an interesting ending as well. But I, I, I think yeah, what I really caught me off guard with this one is that the woman who ends up turning into Anaka, you know, the resurrection of Anaka, mm-hmm. or I guess she is the resurrection of Anaka, but she ends up going back, reverting to being Anaka at the end. Uh, very pretty, and you can tell as her, she actually put a lot of performance in her character. To where you kind of feel bad for her. And I was kind of surprised by that. And that almost saves the movie at the end. Almost. But damn, does this movie just lumber on. Uh, I, I, I honestly didn't mind the recap at the beginning. I thought that was kind of interesting. How I it To me, it seemed like even the movie is tired of doing these recaps. Because <laughs> they do it with the professor telling the story to his students right. in, in the classroom. And what drives him telling the story are the students just asking him questions. Oh, no. Well, the mummy did this. And oh, oh, tana leaves. Now it's, you know, tana leaves. We have to bring that. Well, how do you do that? Well, there has to be nine tana leaves. And it keeps going until a moment when the bell rings and it just cuts off the flashback. Right. And that's it. And I'm like, you know, it's actually pretty good. And the I movie's like, tired of it. And, and, and I do also like... That he says, and when we meet again, we'll be talking about things that matter. I'm paraphrasing. Things that matter, not goofy, you know, basically admitting we're not going to be recapping this crap anymore. You know, we're, we're going to keep, we're going to move forward with what actually needs to happen. Yeah. So I agree. I thought it was pretty clever. Um, much like with, uh, I, I've, it was kind of akin to, I think it's Batman v Superman. Where instead of trying to explain an origin story, they they just do Batman's story over the opening credits. Yeah, real quick. Like, I I, I enjoy a nice 
refreshing way to recap material. So right. I will agree with you. I had forgotten that it was the classroom for this one. So, yeah. I also like this line. What's wrong with Egypt? It's as modern and up-to-date as any other country. It's oh, like yeah. they're trying to sell Egypt. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess, yeah. I don't know what... what uh, I, I don't know. Maybe it's 1944's version of Tolerance. I, <laughs> I'm not sure. Like, did these movies give Egypt such a bad name? Like, are, were people afraid of going to Egypt because of the mummy movies? Uh, maybe. I don't know. I would have thought of it in the exact opposite. Everybody's like, oh, well, you know, I want to go explore these tombs and these yeah. pyramids and stuff. So. so going back to the deep dive complexity of, of this film that I clearly ha- am having a hard time understanding at least during uh, my initial viewing. <laughs> so the professor is the one who resummons Karis, resummons the mummy with his leaves in his Correct. home office, yes. his home laboratory. And the mummy just automatically knows where to go. But John Carradine, evil Fez, number four <laughs> at this point, he, he summons Karis, but he does a chant. So was there a point to the chant because he's like summoning him to come to yes me. the re- and it does come into play later because remember the um professor guy that, that that they end up getting to help the detectives and stuff is like well we just need to recreate this potion right and if the potion is gone and then they dig the they dig uh they they have the pit dug um and karis ignores the potion for the chant. For the chant. Okay. And I guess if you don't have the chant, he'll kill you, I suppose. I guess. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. That's a, that's a new bit of lore. That right. They... Maybe the summoning keeps Karis from murdering you because you're, you're just chatting with him. Don't kill me. I am your friend. I am summoning you, but also providing you a guiding light to not murder the person who is completely... Right. Don't bite the hand that feeds you. Exactly. Bite that hand over there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so what other notes do I have with this film? A lot of so's. So this happened. And so the, okay, let's see what I wrote here. So these researchers, oh, maybe you could explain this. <laughs> Cause it was just ridiculous. Whenever they're, they're, they're in, they're at the museum exhibit. Okay. And they're looking at the coffin or whatever it's called at the sarcophagus. I, sure. And they're looking at it and they notice like this bit of dust or mud on it. And they're like, wait, there's something else here. And they wipe it off and they're reading the rest of mm-hmm. this very important information. So these researchers missed <clears throat> the rest of the important hieroglyphics on the sarcophagus because nobody thought to properly dust it off sometime between discovery and, and placing it in a U.S. museum? All right. My guess is... I mean, it was important of what I remember. But it it was only important once people were buying into that this curse was legit. Up to that point, they're just looking at this going, oh, if you rob the... Okay, it's just another grave robbing thing. So... I can see why they would have just left it alone because this sarcophagus is no longer in the tomb or is no longer in Egypt, let alone the tomb. But if you're restoring it, wouldn't you keep 
keep restoring it. It was literally like, I, I, and it flutters away. Yeah, I, I I don't know, but I do like how while he's reading from the sarcophagus, he just literally puts his hand up there and just rubs it off with his thumb. Right, exactly. Because that's what you're supposed to do with you know <laughs> three or four thousand year old stuff. You right? just just just, just, just put, you know just lick it. You know, just kind of rub it away there. I'm sure it's fine. Um, but no, I think that's that's the deal, is that you're dealing with all these people who are so empirically based when it comes to their knowledge and their application that, it w- of course, they would just gloss over that. It, it's not real. But then it sure. becomes real, and now they have to focus. So yes, now they're looking more closely at what they might have missed, which I also think is the reason why the guy got so excited with the box and it was like, oh, nine, oh, nine Tana leaves. Oh, I get it now. This makes so, you know. So, eh, you know, I get it. Um, what I, if you made the potion with only eight Tana leaves? Then it's the mummy. I, that's just funny. Then like, maybe the the mummy's just kind of like just rocks back and forth. I mean, you know, can't yeah. quite can't quite move. Right. And, yeah. And, and how did they discover it was nine? You know, like what, what did they did they just like over the time they knew that they they knew that three would keep them alive and then just like what's happened what what happened with it four you know right yeah and and how do they know how do they know that twelve would be an unstoppable number because if they had gotten that far there would be some unstoppable zombie out there uh, mummy <laughs> you know and where's that series of movies okay because I. That would probably be fun because then at least you have a reason for it not dying. It's an unstoppable killing machine, hell bent on destroying everything in its path. Yeah, I mean, it clearly does not keep the nine Tana leaves. Definitely does not keep Karis's heart beating. Yeah, the heart stops, which is why I don't know. I mean, when uh, then you also so when does it get to the point to when <laughs> they start look, playing? Look at us dissecting this stuff, guys. When aren't, they start aren't playing, guys and gals, aren't you? When they so start happy. playing uh, God, is it the three Tana leaves, or what, is it when they finally, or or is it like we're gonna do four Tana leaves? Oh, that make that gives me ungodly or godly power, or is it the full nine when it's they finally reached playing God? I don't know. These are things I was way too sober when I watched this movie, <laughs> so my notes are very Seinfeld ish. Like I don't. I, it, it's pointless. <laughs> so what's the deal with the Tana leaves anyway? I mean... <laughs> so what's the deal with not properly dusting off your hieroglyphics on the sarcophagus? Whose job was it to dust the sarcophagus? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Folks, these movies are bad. I gotta, I gotta be honest with you. Um, I think that beyond... Truly, truly beyond the mummy's hand, because I'll at least give the mummy's hand uh, props for it's entertaining. Yeah, for for working on a way to make to to have a reboot be something that they could build on. So I will give it props for that. But it's seriously just diminishing returns. I was when I initially was understanding that this was going to be the mummy's tomb mummy's ghost mummy's curse were going to be these movies and that they were bringing banning and you know babe back for the mummy's tomb i'm like oh well cool further the further adventures right like oh they think they got away but now the mummy comes out of the museum and is after and so now they get to have 
shenanigans and adventures. No, I didn't realize they were just going to fast forward 30 years and then kill them off and kill them off. Um, so, yeah, it's it, it gets pretty bad by this point. Well, but. the diminishing returns, it's also in the sets because this was the movie when I realized the movie either takes place indoors in a in a room, a basic room. There's no creepy atmospheric lighting. There's no tone. There's no moodiness. Or it's outside of a house. And that's it. Right. Inside, outside, there's no creepy forest. There's, there's nothing. Nothing makes this a horror movie. So what is this movie? What are these movies becoming? And I, I think... It's but, definitely a romance. They're trying to go with a romantic angle here. Well, I, I disagree to an extent. I would not. It's not consider- good. I mean, they don't. Oh do a no, good no, job. I, I, no. I, I mean, I, 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 I agree with you in as much as they are purposefully incorporating a romance, so that you, so that the audience theoretically has people to get behind. Um, but I would imagine that this is still a horror movie because you have a macabre being that is going around killing people. Um, we would not necessarily consider that horror today by any stretch of the imagination. I think you would just consider that a thriller. Um, I think that if perhaps maybe you introduced horror elements of it being like a monster of some kind, um, then maybe you could technically call it horror. But for 1940s, I would think that they would consider this horror right um you've got just a monster coming after you killing everything it's so, just a shame it's just boring like everything about it is boring the monster's boring to look at the sets are boring at least with the le- the lesser invisible man movies or the wolfman movies which we've reviewed in the past especially the wolfman at least the wolfman had setting it had atmosphere it had fog there was a, a, at least a spooky if if you just had this movie on in the background at a halloween party that the wolfman sequels mm-hmm. it would be fitting you know and if you watch it you can kind of forgive the the dumbness the stupidity of of a number of the sequels but you you can't you have to admit that it at least looks good like they're trying to go for a consistent tone right these movies, you cannot be distracted by its look because there is no look. There's no identity identity to these films outside of just the mummy itself. And the mummy, especially now, you look at what the mummy is wearing. Um, you, I mean, it's shoes. Like It looks like the mummy's just wearing right. sneakers. And again, bringing it back to the question that I asked in The Mummy's Tomb, why Lon Chaney? What is... What is he bring? And I'm not bagging on the guy. I'm not trying to say he's a bad person. Or, it's a name. And, That's all it is. But, but for what purpose? I mean, you need the name because it needs to mean something. Like I agree. Boris Karloff. Okay. Um, oh my God. Uh, what the name? Just Bella Lugosi. Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, you have Jesus Christ. When you hear these names, you immediately know who you, it is you're talking about, right? No, but seriously, um, well, it, it, I and and I don't get it. Lon yeah. Chaney does not bring, or Lon Chaney Jr. Strictly speaking, 
does not bring any kind of gravitas to it because there's nothing to his performance beyond, you know, right. sorry, oh, wrong end, you know, coming yeah. at you with his left arm. Yeah. And anybody could do that. Totally. So for, I agree. So I don't see how throwing Lon Chaney's name up there would encourage me to go see it other than I guess for the sake of continuity because you know it's the same mummy I guess yeah. well it's different it's different when he was in the Wolfman movies agree at the same year same year 1944 he did one of the monster rally movies uh, I forget which one Wolfman meets Dracula I don't remember sure um, but at least he had transformations and you actually cared about the character that believe it or not, continues on throughout the whole Wolfman series. No, no, I agree. You know? That's that's what I'm... I, but but I think it's I his mean. dad. It's his dad. It's it's the name of, of Lon Chaney Sr. that I think by this time still holds and means something to audiences. And that's how Lon Chaney Jr. became famous once he started donning makeup and being in these horror movies. It's just something to put on the poster to make it... I mean, it's like even with movies now, still, you, you watch movies and you, you, you hear, oh, I mean, just an example. I, I mean, I don't think this has ever happened with Tom Cruise. I highly doubt it. But, oh, Tom Cruise is in this movie. Great. I can't wait to go see it. Oh, well, Tom Cruise is only in 10 minutes of the movie. Or Tom Cruise is only in the, in the, in the last 20 minutes of the movie. Right. But it's something to bring audiences in. It also could have been a contractual thing for Lon Chaney Jr. since he was popular and... Uh, I don't know. It's a name, but I agree with you. Like Lon Chaney, there's no point for Lon Chaney being attached to this movie other than he needed the money, which is why he was in the movie probably. Well, yes. I mean, he did definitely suffer with uh, alcohol primarily, but I think drugs too. Um, Yeah. And so, yeah, his alcoholism was pretty out of control by this point. So I can see that, yes, he would need the money, but I mean, I don't know. Like that, it just... And honestly, I mean, maybe maybe it just does boil down to him having needed the money, um, because I would not want my name on that, right? <laughs> um, if, if if I know, like, I'm gonna give you the first two, I'm gonna give you the mummy's hand, and I'm gonna give you a mummy's tomb. But when we walk out of the mummy's tomb, and I'm seeing how these people are reacting to it, and I'm and I'm going, okay, this is kind of going downhill. It's at that point that I don't necessarily want my name on it anymore because now I'm going to get associated with the crap. Well, it's kind of like with the guy who originally played Superman. Christopher Reeve. No, George Reeve. George Reeve, where he was just typecast, like just children knew him. And he was always known as a child's superhero, you know, a child's hero, you know. So he became typecast and forever, you know, since playing Superman, he was typecast as Superman. Right. Couldn't really get work doing anything else, and that's what he wanted to branch out and do other things, which led to his. Did he get murdered or was it a suicide? I forgot. Um, officially ruled suicide. They have since gone back and proven that his lover most likely had him killed. Okay, but I, I think we, the same type of thing was tearing Lon Chaney Jr. apart. He was getting tired of playing these roles. But these were also the only roles that he was being offered. He wasn't doing high dramatic films. So if you can get top billing in a movie and be the star of the picture, even though he's technically not. I mean, The Mummy is not the star in these sequels. Nope. Um, 
you know, why not? It keeps them on people's minds, in people's minds. It, it no, I get it, but at, the same, but at the same time, you but the are reason then, why he's doing well, right? I agree. You're, but, you're, you're perpetuating your own demise, right? But I guess it's like the the alternate path would be nothing for him. If I'm getting my Hollywood history correct, I'm pretty sure it was either the path of doing these movies and continuing on feeding that right recognition, or he would have had no 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 roles at all. Exactly, and he didn't know how to survive without Hollywood. No, I get that. I mean, it's but. It it works. It also works on the studio end as well. If I'm a studio exec, if I'm the studio exec, then do I want to keep paying all this money for somebody who is barely even worth the name recognition at this point? I I don't I don't need you to. I mean, let's face it. When we get to our next episode and we get to the Abbott and Costello. The guy, I can't think of his name off the top of my head right now, but the guy who plays the mummy in the Abbott Costello was a body double for Lon Chaney in these movies. Right. So, I already got somebody. I mean, I got, <laughs> I got, I got another fat bottom boy, all right? You know, we, we, he's thick with four C's, you know. I mean, but What so, a great tagline for somebody. That <laughs> that ass is thick with four C's. That's right. We went up from, we went up from three C's to four thick. C's. Anyway. Um, well, if you have an opinion on this, email us at the show at slscast.com. Yeah, well, you know what? I'm just going to let him actually say it instead of cut him off halfway. Go ahead. One more time. You can email us at the website at the email address. I see the show at slscast.com. Exactly. There we go. Well, I didn't want too many ats and confuse people. I didn't want people to do at the slscast at. That's or at I the show, say, at whatever. Yeah, you send an email to the, the show, show at, at slscast.com. The colon is implied. Yeah. You know. Super colon. Okay. <laughs> um, anything else you have to say about this movie? There's not, there's not much, but at the same time, there's a lot. Um, honestly, I... Here's what I would recommend, folks. Don't if you if you're someone who wants to watch these kinds of movies, do not make the mistake that I did and wait until a day and a half to two days before you need to actually talk about them to watch them. <laughs> because I am was just getting depressed watching these bad movies one after the other after the other. So spread them out. If you're even if it's just morbid curiosity, spread them out. Give yourself at least a day between watching these movies, and you will probably have a better time with it overall, if at all. And if one thing was proven with the Mummy's Ghost, enjoy four or five cocktails uh, beforehand, especially beforehand. Yeah, uh, it makes it. It makes it a little a little bit better. Yeah, definitely. I would I would say I would say that dead sober on these things, you might question some life decisions. Yeah, even at an hour, uh, I was I I felt like I wasted my Friday night at my my nine to ten p.m. slot on Friday night. <laughs> <laughs> like I I could have watched an episode of This Is Us. Actually, while watching it on Peacock, uh, I have the free version, so there was commercials. For some reason, there were, it was ad-free. 
I was kind of I I wish that there were ads just to have four or five breaks during this movie, uh, which is kind of sad. I'd rather watch a freaking Cheerios commercial, yeah, than completely devote fifty minutes to this movie. <laughs> awesome. All right, so. Next week, we come at you with the uh, Mummy's Curse, which I guess was the last one in this particular iteration of the series. Yes. Um, and then Abbott and Costello. And that is also from 1944. So Mummy's Ghost and Mummy's Curse both came out in 44. Mummy's Ghost came out in June. Mummy's Curse came out in December. And then uh, we'll be fast-forwarding all the way to 1955 for Abbott and Costello's Meet the Mummy which would which would be the last Universal Pictures uh, Universal Picture to feature Abbott and Costello? Um, that was an original. They did do some kind of recut thing that they threw out back in '65, but yeah, uh, yeah. So that's what we're doing on that next episode, my friend. So thank you very much for putting up with this discussion, and until next time. <laughs>